0: Hello and welcome to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. This is episode 85. I caught a chill and it's still frozen on my skin. I think about why I'm alone by myself. No one else to explain. How far do I go? No one knows. If the end is so much better, why don't we just live forever? Don't tell. downloaded ASI Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. Um, where have I been, right? That's when I uh, get a lot of questions. What's going on, Russ? Where are you at? I said I'd be gone for a few weeks, and here it is uh, like a month and a few weeks later, or two months, not sure, and, and I'm back uh, doing the show today. Um, what is it that gives you a sense of who you are, Right? When all hope is lost, you know, then then where is hope, right? You know, the truth is that that we're all addicts. Everyone. We're all chasing something. We're all trying to, to fill ourselves with some sense of uh, who we are in the present moment and attach ourselves to something. I, uh been going through a tough time basically and I and I talked about that a little bit in the last show and I wanted to kind of apologize for that show a little bit. I had some good points in the show but at the same time I was kind of coming apart at the seams during that last show. It's it's probably one of the worst shows I've ever done. I I don't know just based on my attitude where I was at the time. Um I love my wife and I really didn't talk with her and, and get this down to what's going on in my life, not just starting a new series of shows called Ask the Former Sex Addict Anything, that was pretty... I didn't ask her about how that would affect her heart, right? And But deeper than that is really what, what I've been going through, and I wanted to talk about that a little bit today and open up to you and share with you uh, <clears throat> some of uh, some of the depths of uh, what I talked about in the last show, which was being that I really was uh, sick of myself. Now, no, I haven't relapsed, if that's what you're wondering, and I know a lot of you probably do if I take a long break like this. Well, rest must have relapsed. No, no, I have not, and I will never go back to that prison, and that's where I do the show from, is that I'm not going back to prison, right? That's an attitude thing. It's not just an attitude thing. It's the truth because I've got to the point where i I know it's prison, I've seen it, I've stepped back and saw myself in that place, and I'm just never going back there. but the truth is to never go back there means that there's there's steps forward that I will constantly take, and I will not quit on it, and I will continue to to seek out what what God has for me and who I am and how who God's built me to be. Because I've really uh, made a horrible, horrible mess of things. I'll uh, I shared some of my my story in uh, episode sixty, but basically some of the stuff that's happened to me in the past, um, with sexual abuse. I now listen. I, I'm not blaming my sexual abuse on my sexual addiction. That's that's not what I'm doing here, and I and I am not encouraging you to do that. Some of you have been sexually abused. Listen, who you're going to be in the future is based on what you do about that right now. Okay, that's a heart wound. That's, that is a crippling heart wound in your soul, and you need to deal with it. All right, I don't give anybody a pass for being sexually abused or being some kind of victim or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not saying that here. But I am saying you have to deal with it and i hope this gives you hope okay i hope this gives you hope if you're if you've not been sexually abused um, i hope this gives you hope because th- this stuff got ingrained in me at a very young age and if i can break it so can you right if god can see me through this horrible black pit he can see you through it so i hope i hope this some of this stuff gives you hope because i was uh I was a real mess. I was a, a sex addict at a pretty terrible level, right? Um basically I have what psychologists would call repressed memories. Um back in August I remembered some stuff that uh that had happened to me. See, and that's the the struggle that I have is that I remember stuff that happened to me and I don't remember it happening when it happened, right? And that's what's frustrating. Like I remember stuff that happened to me when I was nine, ten years old, that are coming to the surface now, that I, I have a hard time wrapping my mind around and remembering, you know. As a kid, right? And I remember stuff, and it, and I have a reaction to it, and I go through this weird kind of uh, process. I would explain it as if you see a leaf on the surface of a, of the water and you hit it with a hose and it goes under and comes back up, right? That's what I feel like I go through spiritually. And I don't press into God and I don't want to talk about it and I, don't, I just don't want to talk about it. I've got real good for years at just not talking about it, like pretending it doesn't exist. I've got really good at just saying... You know, that, that's just that, and that's just a dream, or that's the past, or, or I just exp- explain it away and just swallow it, right? Pretend that it didn't happen. And there's no healing in that, right? And I hope that you, if that's happened to you, and part of this addiction, part of you looking for comfort, part of you looking to soothe yourself, may be just that, All right? You need to talk about it. I, I didn't talk about it. I'm doing the show. I'm getting frustrated with people. I'm reading emails from people that are, are, are freaking me out. Um, so I, I, I hope you understand that. I went back to the doctor. I got my uh, hepatitis B, uh, the other vaccination that I was supposed to get. I got another AIDS test. So another thing I wanted to apologize in the last show about was, uh, you know, I don't want to, uh, AIDS is serious, and I know that there's uh, folks in, the, you know, that are stuck in same-sex attraction that are listening right now, and I don't want to minimize that at all, right? And I know that there's some of you, you know, that the Christian right likes to say that, oh, homosexuals are all, you know, they're all promiscuous and stuff, and and I think that some of you are listening trying not to be promiscuous, but you are. You know, I challenged you a while back that homosexuality is not your identity, first of all. That's not who you are, okay? That's just the truth. But some of you who are in the promiscuous uh, homosexual lifestyle, who are stuck in that, that perpetual sin of same-sex attraction, I, I don't want to minimize this because I I know that there's people out there who have died of AIDS, I I go to Mars Hill Church now. I know some folks in in counseling there, and their AIDS is serious, and people die of it, all right? There's people in hospitals right now who probably won't see oh nine, 9 okay, because of AIDS. So so I don't want to minimize that, and I I seem to have kind of done that. I was really speaking from a heterosexual level when I uh, I said the things I said about hepatitis, and that's why I I really encourage you to, to get your confessions out because hepatitis is treatable but it's not treatable if your your spouse doesn't know they have it okay and that's really what some of my frustration was you know, that hepatitis is 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 deadly and it's treatable and how selfish is it that some of us sex addicts don't confess you know we 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 love our own lives more we love our own comfort more than, than, the, than the well-meaning of our spouse. I mean, don't take it from me, all right? Check it out for yourself, uh, uh, hepatitis, and, and how it's sexually transmitted and how it kills people who don't treat it, right? Look into the truth. You know, ultimate reality is truth. And we have to deal with truth, with, with who we are and the ripple effect that we leave, all right? All right. The, the truth is that me overcoming this addiction is, is the fact that I, had, I lost my faith in being an, an agnostic does that make sense? Like i couldn't hang on to this feeling that God didn't really love me and that God didn't really care for me because that's what I was placing my hope in, and ultimately, I was placing my hope in my own pain and my own brokenness and all my own crap and i and I talked a lot about God for a while, just trying to work this stuff out in my mind, like I believed he existed, but I believed he was like a like a an angry kid with an ant farm kind of a thing, you know, like he didn't really care about us, like he was distant. And I really lost my faith in believing that way. And that's how, that's where I'm at now. And, that, and I continue to push through that. And, and I'm going to make an announcement now that uh, I'm not going to be doing the show for a while again. I'm going to take a break from the show. I'm going to encourage you to uh, go to uh, teensagainstporn.com and hire-calling.com to talk some of this stuff out. Um, been with a counselor at Mars Hill Church. I'm actually a member of Mars Hill Church in Seattle now. And uh, he said, "Listen, Russ, you need to uh, you need to stop the show for a while to work on your marriage, to work on your family." Uh, part of the history of the show is, I did over a year ago. I said I was going to start a season two, which I haven't done because I'm not there yet, and I need to I need to be there for my family first. My beautiful wife needs me, and sometimes I obsess over this ministry. I obsess over the emails coming in. I want to help you so terribly bad that I I neglect my family, and that just isn't right. That's ministry backwards. It's not ministry at all if we're neglecting our families, guys. All right? Timothy says, how can anyone run a ministry if they can't take care of their family? And I need to do that. I need to be there for my wife. I need to be there for my kids. So I'm going to be taking a step back for a while. You can continue to email the show if you want, but I'm going to be sending a uh, kind of a cut-and-paste email until I pick up the ministry again. But I'm not, going to, uh, I'm not going to be doing this for a little while. I am going to answer some questions today that people sent in, though. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to listen to this show more than once. I'm going to encourage you to listen to uh, to listen to some past shows. And I really, I really do care about you folks, and I want you to know that I care about each and every one of you. I pray for you. I pray for everyone who's listening right now. And I want you to know that I'm not. I'm not leaving because, you know, I'm mad at you or anything like that from the past shows. I really need to work on my marriage. I really need to be the dad and husband and father I'm supposed to be. Not Superman Ministry Boy, right? And that's the the announcement that I wanted to make. Because it's really pressing into him, it's really pressing into God. It's really worship that's entrusting him and putting my life in God's hands. That's going to bring healing. It's going to bring and I, and I pray that I can be an example for some of you who are scared, who don't know what to do. You know, I don't really have a good track record of being a husband and a father. I have never. I have two different stepfathers. Um, my parents pretty much neglected me growing up. I I don't have a real good uh model for that but now i'm involved in a church where there's guys who can mentor me and really show me some of this stuff and i'm really gonna get after it man i really am it's putting my it's putting my trust in him right and rising above this rising above me and rising above my own sin my own disconnection Richard Rorty, who is a, a philosopher pragmatist, he calls himself, says that truth, that absolute truth, is based on faith. Richard Dawkins, um, atheist uh, writer, uh, said that the the battle really is the the natural that's arguing against the supernatural, basically is what he said, right? It's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, is there a God, is there not a God? He said, is is there supernatural powers out there or is there not? And that's really the, uh, that's really the argument. And the funny thing about that is if everybody, if every single one of us really looks at it, and here's another thing, and, and he's right to a certain extent. I don't think he goes deep enough of that statement, but I think he is right to a certain extent. And I will challenge you with this. If you have troubles with God, if you have a hard time understanding, believing in God, if you really feel like he's kind of thrown you out in the cold... Alright, it's us that throwing ourselves out in the cold, really. <laughs> you know, that's something that C. S. Lewis said. He's God is standing in the warm cabin with the door open, calling you in. And we stand out in the cold going, you know, you don't care about us and we're shaking our fists at him, right? I mean that's obedience. Obedience is not out there to break our fun, you know, so we don't have a good time. Alright? Desire is good. God made desire. It's, it's desire in the direction of him. That, that is okay. Relativism says, oh, you make up your own truth, and whatever makes you happy, whatever floats you bo- your boat, right? In the sex culture, we might say whatever gets you off. But that's really not true, is it? And there's a lot of people out there trying to make themselves happy, and they're just not happy. See, everyone's looking for fullness of life. Everyone's looking for that thing deep in their soul to fill them, and, and people end up destroying themselves because they don't understand truth, heart-level deep truth. I'm not talking about, you know, theology and, and buying 12 theology books and trying to, you know, seek truth. for. I mean, be a truth seeker. I think that's great. But here's the deal. God is seeking you from the inside out, all right? And that's, that's the truth. I love that song by Skillet Savior where, uh, where he says, uh, you know, he's talking about Jesus, and he says, I am the eyes inside staring back at you, all right? God loves us. He's chasing us. He's trying to, to, to woo us from the inside out. First John 4 says, you know, before he says God has love, he says, test the spirits to make sure that they are true. Tests the the you know all the prophets that are out there they're not always true, all right. Jesus is Savior, he's not just teacher. He's Savior first, and then teacher. And we don't seem to understand that, right? And we seem to get into this teaching mind level mode. I talked about the seven prayers on uh, when I was closing out the uh, full armor of God series, and and that is some of the stru- stuff I really struggle with. I was reading it the other day. In tears, praying about you know the stuff that I remember, right, and really going through that list and going, wow, I uh I struggle w- with that, with pressing into him, I really do. I struggle with seeing myself through his eyes. That's something my counselor reminded me of recently is is just God sees you as white and holy. Right, I heard another song that said. Uh, when i'm around me when i'm around you i see nothing but good in me it's pressing into god and seeing being there with him asking him to hold you asking him to wrap his arms around you asking him to be there for you right christianity if if you look at the truth of it ultimate reality is God comes to comes to earth as a man, right? No other religion talks like that, speaks like that, that, that God had came here to this earth, the creation that he made to redeem it back to himself, all right? Jesus comes, God comes in flesh and hangs on a cross for the people that are killing him, right? Saying, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they're doing. Okay, so I got a question for you and this is a question i've been asking for years you know who are you right what is your what is your quan you know i love that that line from the movie jerry maguire where uh cuba gooding junior looks at uh tom cruise and says i'm looking for the quan you know the family the job the the you know everything w- w- the quan you know money health the son and or something like that that, that philosophers say which is the highest good in life, right? That we're looking for that, we're all looking for fullness. Charles Spurgeon said that anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It only empties today of its strength. And there's a lot of truth in that. And here's the deal. Pain, Pastor Dan at the the church I used to go to, AC3, said that, uh, you know, pain is like currency. You know, it's like money. You You get a payoff. It's either in debt or it goes to gain. Pain is benign, right? Pain comes from someplace, but it's really how we react to it. Like I say on the show, life is 80% how you react to the 20%, and a lot of that is dealing with pain, right? Reaching for addiction is killing the ability for pain God to speak through the pain in your life okay like a like a surgeon you know like a doctor you go to the doctor and he's pushing on that pain in your life going it hurts here right I know I've said that here before but that's the truth the reason you're feeling pain is that God is calling you to deal with some of that stuff you where would you be without pain the fact that you're listening to my voice right now shows a certain kind of repentance that you're fed up and you don't want to deal with his addiction anymore and you're looking to purge it from you, right? And I'm going to I'm going to go through some of the questions that I was asked um one of them was a gal asked me. Uh, you know, it seems like you're just you're, you're you're all over the place, Russ. You you don't have a, a main line on what you're talking about, and your your steps are all over the place, and you you know you're, you're kind of scattered in your teaching. The point is, the truth is, what I'm trying to get through to you is is to go deeper. All right, my my steps are not on the surface, scattered around on the surface like uh, A, B, C. You get to you know the freed of these. 10 or 12 or 8 or whatever steps then you get to level 8 and then you're done and you're complete that's really not the way it works and that's really not the truth and and no set of steps works that way you're not going to end up sinless at the end of the uh at the end of the steps right my the things i talk about are designed to deepen you okay don't think of it as things on the surface think of it as a drill right the stuff I talk about here, I, my goal is to deepen your level of understanding of your own heart. Your heart, right? The thing that drives everything you do. Your motivator from the inside out. You know, some people, I mean, I've heard people, you know, counselors say that, you know, you, and I've got a lot of emails like this. Why do I do the things I do, Russ? I keep doing this. I keep returning to it. Why? Why am I doing it? And the facts are we don't really know our own heart. And that is one of the biggest problems. It's one of the biggest problems that most of the recovery um, community seems to ignore. That we don't know our own heart. and We don't know why we do the things we do. So my goal is to deepen you. To really understand the whys. The whys under removing your behavior. It's not about your behavior. It's about your heart. It really is about your heart. Underneath your behavior is your heart. And that is what's keeping you Stuck in patterns of sin, right? It's ne- negative behavior patterns, right? I'm going to call it sin. The Bible calls it sin, and the Bible says that sin ruins everything, sin will destroy your life. And sexual sin, it will destroy your life, it will destroy your marriage, it will destroy your kids' lives, you will leave a ripple effect of destruction, and it's disguised as the silly little thing that's really no big deal. And the culture that worships sex, right, will tell you that it's no big deal. And it's a big deal. Families are being destroyed. The economy, I mean, the economy right now is in bad shape, Right? That's another thing I didn't talk about earlier about my job. I'm getting more happy about my job being the pizza guy, right? I'm I sell inexpensive pizza and right now I'm pretty happy with my position at my job with the way the economy's going because when the economy's bad, I can still sell cheap, inexpensive pizza, right? I don't want to say cheap pizza. It's not bad pizza. Well, sometimes it can be bad. It depends on the days when the dough comes out, right? I tell people that our, our pizza we're kinda like a band we could be the best pizza or the worst pizza you've ever had but most of the time we try to be really good pizza anyways i uh i i got uh, distracted there my point is with the economy you know the the marriage and divorce divorce affects the economy in billions and billions of dollars i mean um welfare all that stuff uh the the lawyers the courts that are full and family courts and the, and the people that have to um, enforce, you know, people to pay their fricking bills for their kids and stuff like that, you know, deadbeat dads or deadbeat moms or, or whoever it is that's not paying their child support, the fact that there is child support, all that stuff is, is heavy, heavy weight on the economy. There were some numbers out. I don't have them in front of me, but it's, it's billions. It is huge. It is worse than than the drug and alcohol addiction that's out there. And a lot of it has to do with who we are sexually, right? We just want to do what we want to do sexually. And it's sad. And it has nothing to do with love. And it has nothing to do with the depth of who you are. Because you love from the depths of your heart. And we remove our heart from inside of our chest, and we put it on the surface, and we say, it's my freaking car, or it's my, you know, it's what I do at my job, or, you know, my my identity is tied to just things that are just not that important. So I want you to understand that, that, uh, you know, if, this is not about, about me, you know, trying to get you to, to succumb or submit to some set of steps. I'm trying to drill into you. I'm drilling for oil, okay? If love is oil, the show, this show is the drill. I'm trying to drill into your heart. I'm trying to encourage you to, to crack open your Bible and let it read you, right? Don't just read it to be some kind of a, a whiz at Bible freaking trivia, right? I want you to, to, to let the Bible read you. It'll, it'll open you up like a, like a scalpel. <laughs> it says that about itself. It'll cut through the bone and the marrow and expose your heart. And that's what we're really looking for, right? To be opened up, to be woke up. We want our lives to have meaning, to have vitality, to have energy, deeper sense of meaning. Living your life not, not because you get some cookie on the outside, but because from the inside you have energy and, and, and purpose and and meaning. And that's why I play some of the music I play in the show, right? And I talked about that in the in the shows about the full armor of God. That some of that music, some of rock and roll can, you know, the, pl- the songs that I played can expose your heart and help you find out where you are in your map, help you find out what depth you are. Is there a song that touches you? Do you ever ask God why and really pray about it and say, why does this song touch me, Lord? What is it that, that really affects me, right? That song, Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon, right, that crushes me because that's part of my heart and, and I seem to get more of my identity from what I do over, you know, my kid wanting to spend time with me. It's, it's sad, you know? I, I don't want to be that. And, and that's why it's it's also important not to get stuck in despair, right? When it comes to this stuff because I could stay there, right? i could just say, well, this is just me and, you know, despair over it. The philosopher Nietzsche, Speaking of pain was raised by a, his dad was a, a Lutheran minister. his grandfather was a minister. he was raised in the church and he went to uh war I think it was during World War two World War one I, I can't remember and, and and taking care of dying soldiers he he's lost his faith right and I really think that has to go to doctrine. I think a lot of the doctrine that he was taught is that the good people get good things and bad people get bad things, right? And he sat there in this hospital watching people die, seeing people come in, holding their guts together. And, and, he, and he, that that kind of doctrine just didn't work out in his in his teaching, right? And what he grew up with, that's really what I think. And the guy's got a lot of deep things to say, and, and Nietzsche is, uh, I mean... You go to a college nowadays, people are quoting Nietzsche like crazy. And they lean on Nietzsche more than they lean on the Bible, for example. Even in in secular college classes where they teach Bible, they're quoting Nietzsche. Which which is cool, because I'm quoting Nietzsche right now. I talk about some of the stuff he said on the show, too. But the facts are, where is his heart? Okay, Nietzsche is the grandfather of the philosophy of despair. And I want you to understand that. The, some of the, the music that I play and some of the rock and roll that's out there, there is some despair in it, huge despair in it. That song by Alice in Chains, right, about living in the hole. Don't stay there, okay? That's one of the things that God tells us. Listen, I love you, and I'm a jealous God, and I don't want you to have your idols. I want you to cling to me. I'm here to help you. I want to wrap my arms around you. I want to save you. And idols are just a way to drown out the cry for a good and loving God to come and heal our heart, you know. And I'm telling you this as I'm learning it myself in the, in the deeper levels. I'm three years clean now. This is October celebrates three years of sobriety for me. It's tough for me. And it is a real work of faith to not stay in that philosophy of despair. Look what happened to me. Is he good? How could this happen? Well, I, you know, there was a years of that happened, this stuff that happened to me that I'm just, I would just rather not remember, you know, and it's trusting him. I prayed out a prayer from the book, uh, The Wounded Heart, and if you have been sexually abused, I encourage you to get that book. It's on the website, asi247.org. But it talks about repressed memories, and it, and it says to pray out this prayer that, uh, Lord, I'm going to trust you when those memories come up. And I'm going to let you help me through those. And the truth is, I'd really rather not remember them. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you the truth here. I, I want God to be there for me in that. And I'm trying to trust him through it. And I will. But that's, that's my pain. I don't want to deal with that pain. I don't want to go there. It's tough. It's really, it's, it's tough. I don't want to sob. It's like going to the doctor, right? I don't want to get up on the operating table. You know? I went in for these shots. They took a blood test. I'm like, here comes the needle. This might hurt for a second. No! I don't want to hurt, man. I don't want to... Freaking needles. I hate needles. Going to the doctor and getting freaking poked on and stuff. There's going to be some bleeding involved. There's going to be some pain involved, but the pain of dealing with it now is, is far smaller than the pain of the ripple effect of your whole destiny, of the whole legacy that you'll leave behind in your life. You know what legacy is? It's not that they name a library after you or that you get you know a tombstone, a, a parking spot right with your name on it. Your legacy is how your kids will look at you and what they're going to say about dad. What's your, your, will your wife say, you know, that I'm lovely, that I'm beautiful, right? Mark Driscoll talked about the Proverbs 31 wife, and this is this, this uh, scripture that most Christian women just hate because it's this kind of picture of purity, right, this, this perfect woman. You know, and that Christians, and and they teach this too, that Christians are supposed to live up to this Proverbs 31 woman. And the facts are that that is a unit of thought, all right? That is written by a guy who's talking about his wife. Do you understand? It's not written as an instruction booklet or here's what you're supposed to be. No, it's a guy who sees his wife, lovely as she is, in the marketplace. He's praising and esteeming his wife and loving her as he talks about her. That is the Proverbs 31 woman. My wife works hard. My wife is beautiful. My wife is awesome. I love my wife. I don't tell her enough. And I'll learn how to do this better, man. I will. Because God will redeem that. God will redeem the the me that wants to hide. And I'm going to keep turning to him. And I pray you do as well. A big part of that has to do with how you handle shame. Uh, I got another email, another question. A guy um, told me that he's had some victory. He's gotten some months with, uh, you know, not being sexual sobriety or, or whatever you want to call it. But he was talking about dreams. like guy's having dreams that are, um, you know, erotic dreams. I think this is normal. Okay, if you start battling this stuff back and start pushing back, um, the thoughts in your mind I talk about uh, the scripture Take every thought captive And some of the strategies uh, of doing that I talk about in past shows I encourage you to go back and download some of those Even if you've heard them before Really look at what it takes To take every thought captive To the obedience of Christ Right? See this is not a masturbation problem Or a you know it, 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 Before it becomes masturbation It's fantasy It starts in your thoughts first That's where you have to fight this thing you have to fight it in your thoughts. You have to think about, you know, putting your wife as your object of beauty. And even if you're single, you know, it, putting your your wife, you haven't married yet, as your object of beauty and thinking about her heart and looking past her her surface looks, right? We're all looking for surface good looks. We're looking for a woman who's a good time all the single guys, right? Look for a woman who's going to be there and understand your heart. Look for a woman with depth. But that's object of beauty. We are so tied up in the in the culture, in the Western culture, with a thousand different images that become our object of beauty. It's variety, you know. I've talked about that before on the show. Your object of beauty has come variety, a thousand different images, a harem, as as King Solomon would say. But to answer the question of the listener, um, as you start kicking out those thoughts, they will may not for everybody but they may go underground into your dreams because it's a it's a subconscious thing right It it's a it crops up in your mind and i talk about the the fiery arrows these things are fired into your mind without you having to to like go in and well them up right like you're not doing anything that is sinful but all of a sudden boom one of those thoughts comes through your mind or an old porno movie scene pops into your head what do you do about it that's my question you know, we start chasing, you know. I had a listener from Iraq, soldier in Iraq, talking about giving chase, you know, to the enemy. Sometimes it's the last thing you should do. You know, they run in with their jeep or something, and then you go chase after them, and then they blow you up. That's that's what those thoughts are doing. They're trying to get you to give chase, to chase that thought down. You kick it out. You snuff it out. And as you get good at that, like I said, it forces the subconscious down into your dreams, And then what are you going to do about the dreams, right? The fact is getting past your want-tos. And that's why I talked about looking at your your spouse as your object of beauty. Because that's where you're going to find freedom, right? Sexual desire is not bad, okay? Let's stop with this, you know, you got to, what do the priests call it, you know, uh, celibate, right? If you're married, you shouldn't be celibate. That's another question I got that I'll answer, and I can't believe I've never answered this question. But somebody asked me if masturbation is sin. It depends. Like I said, the sin is in your head, it's in your heart, right? The reason the Bible doesn't bring up masturbation or say masturbation is sin or not is because it talks a lot about the heart, right? Read it. Look at the. Jesus is talking about the motivations of your heart. You know, the Pharisees who've done everything right. Jesus is after them saying that their hearts are cold okay they're doing everything perfectly they have memorized books of the bible they're you know on the surface they're sinless right but Jesus is, still has the most venom for them than he does for the prostitute and the and the drunk right and the drug addict and the tax collector he has more venom towards the religious people that are doing have this outward appearance of holiness than he does towards the broken people because they're broken and they're going, hey, we, we need help, right, Lord? We need help. I wanted to read this to you. This is, uh, this is from the Amplified Bible. Matthew 5, 3, Blessed, happy to be envied and spiritually prosperous with life, joy, and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the poor in spirit. The humble, who rate themselves insignificant, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, that is, the, that is the words of Christ. Christianity has got so superficial and surfacy that worship has become just the music at church, right? Come join me in worship. You know, that's, that's singing, and that's great, and we, we do that. And that's, Some of us will worship, and some of us will just go through the motions. You just go to some event. Right? Worship down at its roots are hope. It's hope, right? That's the truth. What you place your hope in is who you will become, right? So masturbation, for a single person, I don't see masturbation as sin. It depends on what's going through your mind, okay? Your fantasies, you get addicted to fantasy. The fact that you're listening to my show right now, it proves the fact of what Paul says, that you are, you're filled with passion, Okay, that's a good thing. But you need a wife if you're a man. If You need a husband if you're a woman because you have this sexual drive, this sexual desire. And that desire is not bad, but it's driving you to be partner with somebody in this life if you're single. Now, am I going to say that your masturbation is sin? Again, it depends on the motivation of your heart and what's going through your mind when you do it. That is important. And to say that you can just masturbate without fantasy, can you do that? Yeah, and and it you know it, the fantasies that are going through your head. I mean, is it unclean? Is it clean? Are you putting an image in your mind of the spouse you want to marry in the future? On a on a surface looks level, don't do that. Don't you do that? You're you're taking over God's plan for you, right? You, your your spouse may not be you know supermodel, and and that's not what it's about. It's about her heart. And who she is and how she fits you, and she fits you like a puzzle piece. I love my wife. I knew that from when I met her, you know, I remember God speaking to me when I saw her. that's who you're gonna marry, and I love my wife, and she fits me well, and we're not i mean we a lot of the stuff one of the biggest things we have in common is the day we got married, right? we just don't have a lot in common, but we fit each other like a puzzle and 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 I love her, and she completes me, right? She completes that part of me. That's not what she was designed for, just to complete me, but it, but as an individual in her heart, and as we come together, that's it's beautiful. I love her. That's who she is. She's my baby. And sexual desire and drilling that deeper, our sex life becoming more closer together is as we come together, right? And that's that's replacing all this surface variety and you getting your rocks off because you're hurt, because you're wounded. The same reasons people pick up a cigarette or a bottle or something else. You know, you, you grab your, your genitals, right? It's getting away from that habit. It's just breaking that habit. And looking at sex as something so much deeper than that because it really is. You know, it's like C.S. Lewis said, devil comes in and he says, this is dangerous territory because this is the most pleasurable thing a human being can do in their body. We're on very dangerous territory when we start um, using sex to enslave someone to hell. Right. So is masturbation sin? Again, it depends on what's going through your heart, what your motivation is, why you're doing it. If you're married, masturbation is sin. Okay. Now I'm going to I'm going to preface that. If you're married and you're masturbating alone by yourself and you're not connecting with your spouse, that is sin. You're taking intimacy into your own hands. You're looking at sex as a bottle, as a cigarette, as a crack pipe, whatever, and you're not you're that is sin, okay? If you're married, you should not be masturbating. Your your creative motivations should be going in the direction of your spouse. Keep listening. I can help teach you how to do that. Cracking open your Bible, getting counseling, talking to some people in group can help you do that. But the facts are, it's going in the direction of your spouse. It's looking her at you as your object of beauty, right? It's being naked and unashamed in, in front of her, all right? You know your wife behind her eyes, right? Maybe you don't know her entirely behind her eyes, but that's kind of the point, that you get to know her, that you get to learn her, that you get to read her like a book throughout the lifetime that you have, because she's changing every day. And nakedness is not just having your clothes off, right? It's also a heart thing. You get to be with her. You get to love her. You know, there's a song by uh, by Good Charlotte called "Riot Girl," and sometimes when my wife is is angry or you know, and I think she's in a bad mood or something, I still love her, and I, I have it's it's endearing that she's my my Riot Girl, right? I love that tune, but that's one of those things that you're looking into a heart. But I want to warn you about group because guys can get in group and just start bitching about their wives. Do you hear me? You hear me? Okay, Christian guys should, not, should be encouraging one another, all right? That's one of the things that the Bible talks about is that we are to, to encourage one another. To encourage means to give another guy courage, not to sit there and, and, and get in with him on his bitch fest about his wife. Stop it, all right? Look in the direction of healing and of reconciliation, all right? Jesus in the, is in, the, in the, the work of redemption. As soon as we get into complaining or looking at our wife as the bad guy, guys, that's when redemption stops. Okay, But that's not Christian, I put that in quotes, thinking. And that's when the men's group or the Bible study or whatever you're involved in just becomes like the frickin' bar. Okay, you can go to any bar in this country, whether you're a man or a woman, and sit and talk to the bartender about how your wife sucks. And other people come up and go, oh, yeah, you don't know my wife, you know. And it's it's just that thing. And that's not what it's about. It, this is going in the direction of healing that I'm talking about, okay? Now, masturbation, um, I got a, a email from a guy uh, who asked me about him and his wife Okay, this guy's a soldier in Iraq, right? And uh, this is this I thought was cool actually, but him and his wife um, meet together. He gets a you know a private place, and he gets on his notebook computer, and they share intimacy through the computer screen, right? I mean, they masturbate together, and they watch each other, and and they he asked me is that sin? I said no, dude. I think that's beautiful. I said I think that's a great idea, you know. And there's a lot of guys overseas who will look in pornography or they'll get into their own thing or they'll masturbate by themselves. And they don't even, this doesn't even cross their mind. I said, what a beautiful thing that this guy would do that with his wife, that he would look at his wife as an object of beauty so much that they would be creative in this way, where they would have webcams and, and have sex together. Do you ever thank God for technology? A lot of people hate technology because of all the evil that comes from it. But but look at this. This is a beautiful example of a husband and wife that can be intimate while they're half a planet away. So that to me is not sin. If your spouse is in, a, in an accident and God forbid they they can't have sex and there is medication and surgery for that kind of thing, but I think there's there's nothing wrong with the spouse you know masturbating the other spouse. The one who's injured, the one who can't perform, and ultimately they have to get through that horrible situation. Okay, impotency um, for a male can be cured. There is there is there is cures for that, right? And, and guys can deal with that. And if guys not selfish, and if you can really, you know, get to his heart and say, "Hey, help me. I have sexual desire. I have sexual needs." And you're my spouse, and, and the Bible says you're supposed to help me with that. Please help me. I mean, talk to one another. So, you know, that's what I wanted to, to say about masturbation, answering that question about masturbation. Because remember, you know, what Martin Luther said, religion is the default mode of the heart, right? Psychology will say we go in the direction of our comfort. Don't be comfortable. Don't get so comfortable that you forget about love. Because the truth is, when we push through our own surfacy need for comfort on, on the moment-by-moment, I-want-to-be-comfortable basis, when we can get over our own comfort and push towards the goal, as the Bible says, being like Christ is pushing towards a goal, it's like being in a marathon, then we can push towards Him. It's It's relationship. It's trusting. And I'm saying that to myself, man. I'm preaching to myself with that. The book of Revelations talks about God wants to see us in white, right? God wants to see us in, and a lot of people miss to, and to be holy, and I need to have all my ducks in a row, and I need to be perfect, and then God will see me as white and clean. That's not true. The cross makes you white and clean. The cross does. What Jesus did... Too many churches are dying, okay? There's nobody going to them, and, and they're, they're dwindling, and there's a lot of news of you know, the Presbyterian Church, and there's, there's, there's all this news about churches who are losing their you know, members. I go to Mars Hill Church in Seattle that just gained 2,000 members in the last couple of months. Mark Driscoll at Mars Hill Church in Seattle is doing a, uh, Songs of Solomon um, about sex and relationships, and, and the church is growing rapidly. I also encourage you to download those uh, sermons as a a supplement to this, because I'm not going to be doing this for a little while. And I encourage you, go to uh, marshillchurch.org or search for Mark Driscoll on iTunes, and you can download that Songs of Solomon series. But the facts are, churches die when we look at holiness as what we can do as opposed to what Jesus has already done. That is the sin of most churches, and they go out of business, and it's okay, all right? There's a bunch of people that lament over these churches that are losing members and that are going out of business, and the truth is uh, they need to go away. <laughs> they do. They're not helping anyone. They're worse. They're worse than, than the culture. They're worse than the drug dealer on the street. He has a, a, an easier time being redeemed than, than the pastor of a church who's just spraying venom all over his people by saying it's it's us that makes us holy and not Jesus. So, if you're a Christian, right, if you believe that God did come to earth as a man to redeem the creation back to himself by his blood, not by this asinine concept of karma that, you know, if you really get honest with yourself, you know isn't true, okay? I mean, honestly. Sometimes crime does pay, all right? Sometimes sleeping beauty doesn't wake up Christianity is believing and realizing that God suffered too for the way things are, right? God suffered too for the way things are. You know, the Revela- the book of Revelations. Jesus is saying that he sees us in white, right? He sees us as holy and blameless. If you've accepted that gift of God's love, right? And if you stopped trying to do it on your own, you just accept the gift. The book of Ephesians says it's a gift so that no man can boast. You don't earn your salvation. It's a gift. The book of Revelations talks about, uh, you know, the the day and the, and the end of days, right? When 666, right? The number of the beast. You know, we're already beyond people putting a barcode on our hand or a chip on our head or on our hand to be able to trade goods. It's really the thoughts of your mind and the works of your hand. What's in your heart? six 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 the, the the thing that you won't be able to trade money or get along in society in the end of days it's because the thoughts of your mind and the works of your hands all right that's evil it's just what comes out of you if what spews out of you are thoughts of evil and works of evil then that's that's the end of days and you won't be able to to get along in this world unless your your mind and your works are consumed by evil so I had a uh, I have a challenge for you that comes from the book of Revelations. The book of Revelations to me is, is, is a beautiful book. It's not just about the end of days of this planet. See, the Old Testament talks about people, it, it talks about groups of people, and it talks a lot about the outward stuff that we do, right? Then the New Testament comes along, Jesus dies on the cross, and it's about our heart and what we're motivated by. You know, John the Baptist comes and says, hey, you know, he points at the Pharisees, right? And it's all about the motivations of the heart, right? So it's, it's speaking to people on an individual basis and on a group basis. The book of Revelations is going to speak to people on a group basis and on an individual basis. Because it's not all about exotology, ex- which is the end of the world, right? It is, but it's also about when your heart stops beating, okay? Because that's going to come a day. I saw an ad for this cemetery it was hiring people, and it says, come and join an industry. I think it was in a, an ad in, online for uh, sales jobs <laughs> when I was looking around. And it said, uh, come and join in an industry that everybody needs, Eternity Cemetery and <laughs> I thought about it and it's, they're right everybody needs that service you will all be buried someday and your life will come to an end and the eschatology of your life as you know it will stop when your heart quits beating and that's the truth so I'm going to close the show with this and I want you to keep this in mind first of all I want you to take a deep breath did you do it? seriously dude come on take a deep breath work with me here Put, put, put the iPod on pause if you have to and take a deep breath with me for a second. Okay. Now look down at your hands. Okay, this is not about shame, by the way. Can I talk a minute about shame? I'm going to go off on shame for a little bit. I, I know that I get a little bit distracted and I, uh, I digress a little bit. I, I'm going to talk about shame for a second here because I think this is really important. Socrates said, it would be a tragedy to not know yourself, right? An unexamined life, he said, is not worth living... And and as a philosopher, I think what he was doing was touching on this fact that a lot of us, we don't really realize how we deal with shame. There's a lot of psychologists that say every disorder that's medicated for, you know, all of the disorders that are out there psychologically all have to deal with how we process shame. Shame is a deep wound to your spirit. Do you understand me? Shame is not how this world is supposed to be. The, the sin comes into the world, and, and that is one of the biggest scrambles that happens. The biggest, you know, despite the war, despite a gunshot, you know, you put a gun to your chest and pull the trigger. That's going to rip apart your guts, right? Your flesh. One of the things that rip apart, rips apart your flesh like a bullet wound to your chest or your shoulder, or your leg is shame, and how you process shame. Is really the really important part. I love that line in the movie, The Matrix, where where Neo uh, looks at Morpheus and he says, are you telling me I can dodge bullets? And Morpheus looks at him and says, Neo, I'm telling you that when you're ready, you won't have to. That's what I'm trying to deepen you into. Is to understand shame like that. Galatians 5.22, right? The, the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. You know, Neo breaks the laws of physics by dodging bullets, and some of you will break the laws of recovery. This is going from recovery to redemption I'm talking about here. Because really, how you process shame... has a lot to do with anxiety it has a lot to do with depression it has a lot to do with uh, all of the things that affect you in your life your deep deep relationship with shame your deep ability to process shame I mean I have uh, some of the stuff that I've gone through I don't wish upon anybody I've really not met someone who has repressed memories like I do okay I have shame in deep levels that I don't even understand and I don't remember frankly But it's really how you process shame that's going to keep you from destroying your life. God is redeeming my life. Okay, not, not me, not anything I've done Not because I do some set of steps Or not because I drill deeper It's because of Christ Because I've trusted him And this show is about my journey Okay, I don't agree with myself Can I say that too? i got a lot of emails about that People who disagree with some of the past shows I don't always agree with myself on the past shows But I haven't taken those down yet Because I want you, I want you to understand That this is a journey What you're listening to is, is my journey You have your own journey And the rest of your life is empty pages empty pages and god will help you co-author your life there's a book by uh the same guy that did the the wounded heart dan allender um about about co-authoring your your life with with god and and i need to read that book <laughs> but beyond the book i i just need to trust in god and put my life in his hands right but I wanted to talk about that with shame for a minute because I don't. the last thing I want you to do with this exercise is to think that, that I'm shaming you or this has to be some 666 thing going on because that, for a lot of Christians, is tied to shame along with Proverbs 31, right? Anyways, I, I hope you understand that too. Love your wives, dudes. Tell her she's Proverbs 31. You know, the more you praise her the more you esteem her she's looking to be loved dudes she really is that's just, she wants to be number one priority in your life every marriage counselor I've talked to has said that your wife wants you to be wants, she wants herself to be number one priority in your life that's what she's looking for deeply that she's that number one priority under the sun so shame what are you going to do about it Right? what are you going to do about shame it's a big question so anyway, here's the here's the exercise. You took the deep breath, right? Do it again. Go ahead. I know I, I, I digress, but go ahead. Another deep breath. After you process that. Right. Now look down at your hands. Your hands are going to be with you for the rest of your life. Now I know I have I have folks in Iraq listening, and and there's people all over the world who are you know in war, and they download and they listen to me on their iPod, and and I know that you know okay you may lose your hand, but you get my point, right? You're gonna have at least one of your hands for the rest of your life. If you don't have hands. You know, psychologists say that you still even have itches where your fingers were. I've heard this over the amputees. It's like all of a sudden their hand itches, and, and they don't have a hand anymore, so it's weird. But anyways, you get my point. You have, you have hands, and chances are, statistically speaking, most of you will have your hands for the rest of your life. You can't get away from your hands. They will go with you moment by moment through the rest of your life. You will have your hands with you jesus talking about sin um and talking about how god is disgusted by it right he goes into uh you know this this analogy of listen if if your hand causes you to sin then cut it off all right um i'm gonna i'm gonna try and give you a different alternative here all right (laughs) this is what i'm talking about but god really is disgusted by sin that badly right so so look at your hands with me those are your hands God will co-author the things you do, the works you do with the re- with your hands for the rest of your life. And I have five steps, five things t- that you can tie to your hands. You may want to write these down. I'm not going to have notes on them. It's it's kind of a. It's a it, well, I'm an hour into the show now, and this is if you're sticking with me still. If you're still with me, this is one of the things that you can discipline yourself and, and to really watch through your life. This is a, a discipleship exercise, you might say for those who want to push forward, for those who want to really uh, muscle through and really want to push this thing out. If you're really sick of it, if you're really sick of your addiction, if you really want to see freedom, okay, stick with me through this. Number one, I want you to grab your middle finger and remember that that's your attitude, okay? Where are you? Some of the music I talk about, right? Where are you at in your attitude? Hebrews twelve fifteen 15 um, talks about pulling up the root of bitterness, Okay, Do you have bitterness towards somebody, towards your job, towards the way things are, towards God. That's maybe something you need to work on. As I go through these, I want you to, uh, you know mark your finger or buy a ring and put it on the finger that needs the most work that day. because day by day you're going to go through this, this exercise. Every day for the rest of your life, you're going to have your hands. Right? And I want you to remember these exercises. And one of the things you can do now is to really put a ring around which one of these needs the most work. So is that one of them? Do you have a root of bitterness towards us? I mean, pull up the root of bitterness, that the whole point of the cross, I mean, the point of judgment. You know, All the stories in the, in the Bible that talk about how you know, we've been saved from hell right, by Jesus on the cross... If you understand the cross, if you understand the debt that was paid, I heard a, a guy say that, you know, if if I came to your house and, and told you that I paid a letter that you got in the mail, um, w- would you just thank me or would you be massively happy? And the guy said, well, it depends on how much the debt is. All right? If you paid off my house, wow, I'd be freaking out and kissing your feet. You know, if you just paid some little, you know, phone bill, I mean, that would be great. Thanks, friend, you know you can't pay jesus back for what he did and i hope you understand the depths of what what debt was paid for you because we all deserve hell all right you don't get shiny clean and white by by your behavior you get shiny white and clean by what jesus has already done for you you are shiny white and clean if you're a christian if you if you've You know, have done and prayed out and confessed with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Then you're already shiny and white and clean. And yes, that has to do with faith. And and I will say that maybe Richard Dawkins is right because I did not get through this horrible addiction at the level that I had it by my own power. Supernatural, yeah. But you gotta let them in your heart, man. You gotta let them in your heart. I think the proof is in the results of recovery, right? Of recovery ministry. Okay, because there is no atheist recovery program that is successful. There just isn't. Because it is spiritual, and it is supernatural. Keep your accounts short. all right. Keep your accounts short. Um, our counselor said this. You know, Don't go to bed angry with one another. Pull up the root of bitterness before you go to sleep. And he said, you may have to go to bed early. You know, We don't do this enough. We talk to each other like that. But really pulling up the roots of bitterness when we have bitterness towards one another. All right, if you're not having sex regularly as a married couple, I want you to understand that it's something Mark Driscoll said, it's kind of like having the devil lay between you when you go to bed at night. It's kind of a word picture for you. Just just picture the devil sleeping right between you if you're not making love frequently. And the reason you're not making love frequently is because of a root of bitterness. That's really true. You have an account. You hold a score of debt against your spouse. Um, pointing the finger... That's your pointing finger. I am going moving on to the next finger, the pointing finger. All right, the finger you scratch your head with a lot. The thoughts of your mind take every thought captive. I've already talked about that a lot. It's taking your thoughts captive. Do you need to work on that one? Maybe you need a ring for that finger, or just draw a ring with a pen. You know, get a sharpie and put a ring around your finger. Sexual integrity starts in the thoughts. Okay thoughts that are fired in you're have you you going to give chase or you're not going to give chase you're going to chase the thought down you're going to kick it out alright just keep working on that maybe you need to put a ring around that finger here's another one when it comes to uh, pointing the finger right blaming others something Matt Chandler said he said look at yourself and examine your heart and say do, do other people have souls okay seriously are other people out there just to serve you was your spouse made to to fulfill your needs examine your heart with that really does that waitress in that restaurant that you're going to see today or tomorrow or whenever you go out to eat next the the person that's serving you coffee are they just there to serve you or does that person have a soul okay i'm trying to get you behind your eyes a little bit and to get you to understand that you know, there's something beyond people just giving you what you want. Even if you pay them, that person has a soul. Especially your spouse, man. There's someone Mark Driscoll said, he was talking about a sociologist that said it takes between nine and fourteen years for a married person to understand that their spouse is not there to serve them. That your marriage is not there to receive, but to give. Okay? In your heart, in the depths of a person's psyche to the pit of their heart it takes them nine to 14 years to get to that point where they learn that their marriage is not about them sadly here in the united states most people divorce before they ever get to that point and then they start over at zero before they get to that level right number three your your marriage finger all right the finger that if you're married you have a ring around all right loyal and faithful okay tell your spouse whether you're a man or a woman, and if you're struggling with this especially, tell them that you're faithful. If you've been faithful that day, you tell them, I was faithful to you today. If you're fighting the thoughts in your mind, tell your spouse. I mean, you don't have to get into every little detail, but tell them, hey, I was loyal and faithful to you. Especially you guys, man, that will speak volumes to your wife if you tell her that daily. Daily. You get home from work, honey, I am loyal and I was faithful to you today. Wrap her in your arms, your ring around. Now, if you're single, okay, this is the you being the bride of Christ, right? Whether you're a man or a woman, there's a lot of talk about this, that you're married, that, that, that you're in covenant with, with, with God. And that's another thing for you married guys, you husbands, you fathers. Okay, love your future spouse. To love your future spouse, understanding covenant, Because listen, I think it's important to be honest with your future spouse and someday you're going to have to tell the future spouse, your future lover, your future life partner, how many sexual encounters you've had. Okay? Why don't you soften the blow for them in the future, okay? That's what I'm saying here. Covenant was explained to me this way and I I kind of came up with this analogy that love is like fluid, right? Love is liquid and and it you know, goes up and down. If you look at a, a water reservoir, okay, when it starts to get dry, you get to the bottom of that thing and, and there's not a lot of love, but you still have love in that covenant, right? In that cup. Covenant is like a cup that holds love. Alright? You're disciplining your thoughts, you're going through this thing. Discipline is part of that covenant. I am married to my wife for the rest of my days. Till death do us part, in sickness and in health. That is covenant. Your cup is covenant, all right? Make sure you hold on to your cup. That's part of that's part of that ring of loyalty, is that, that ring that's around your finger represents an unbreakable circle, and that is covenant. Covenant is the cup that holds love. Some of you guys, and I've got emails from you that can't quite commit, and you don't understand why. How come I can't commit? First of all, you don't know your heart. All right? You don't know why or you just don't want to look at why or you don't want to see yourself or be shamed so you don't go there. Right? I don't want to feel shame, so I'm not going to really look in the depths of my heart because the truth is I'm selfish. It's just true. And maybe that does shame me, but what are you going to do about it? You're selfish. Deal with that because you need to get a cup together. All right, Selfishness, there's no room for selfishness in covenant. You you have to have a certain amount of your your individuality, but you also have your rhythm and your covenant and and you're you're gonna you're gonna love through that covenant. And that covenant is gonna it, it's gonna be trying to break apart for the rest of your life. There's gonna be little freaking demons and all sorts of things that are gonna happen in your life trying to bust up that covenant. Now that's the war you're gonna fight for the rest of your days is not to lose, not to break that cup. And if you have broken that cup before, all right, there's still hope, right? If you've gone through a divorce, I want you to understand there's still hope. It starts when you you stop being selfish, and you start love, right? You you start finding your own rhythm of love. All right, your pinky. Pinky finger, moving on. Uh, pinky finger, pinky swear, right? You know, you get that as a kid, right? A pinky swear. Jesus said this in, in the Bible. He said, you know, there should be no room for oaths. For Christians, and some people of legalists have taken this to really weird kind of conclusions, and I don't have time to go into that. So, but anyways, um, basically what he's saying is is if you're a truth teller, and I'm going to challenge you with that, I want you to be a truth teller. I want you to start telling the truth, breaking your habits of lies. You know, I went to the bar with a friend. Tell your wife that. Some of you guys just don't do that. You just don't talk with your wives. You don't you make up little lies and you don't talk about what's really going on. Get in habits of it. Be a truth teller. This is gonna cause conflict, and conflict is good. Conflict brings intimacy. Conflict over how you spend money. Conflict over who you spend time with, right? conflict over where you spend your time i mean this marriage is is two people grinding out like metal against metal this this beautiful sculpture a lot of you guys aren't having sex with your wives because you have no conflict and when you have no conflict you're not talking about your heart so you have no intimacy when you have no conflict i did a whole show on that i don't have time to, to keep going on that but but that's true all right jesus says the truth will set you free all right, but people just quote that little piece of the verse. But the truth is, it, it, abiding in the truth will set you free. It's not just the truth will set you free. You can believe that all you want. But unless you trust in it and you abide in it, it's not going to have long-term change in your life. You're not going to see change in your life if you just believe that truth will set you free. That's a nice thing to say but to really be a truth-teller. I'm going to challenge you to be a truth-teller because the truth is, lies, even little lies, lock you up in a kind of prison. It's like little padlocks, you know? If you have a real struggle with this, you know, maybe you need to put a ring around that finger. Buy a padlock. Put it in your car as a reminder. Put it in your glove box because every little lie that you tell is another little, little prison. It's another little prison that you have to lock you know, yourself away in. You have to lock yourself away in some lie that's going to save you from what? And it's really not trusting Jesus either. If you're a Christian and you're telling all these little lies, you're, you're you're saying to Jesus, you know what, I'm not asking you to save me. I'm asking this little lie to save me in this moment. You know, part of this whole deal, part of faith, is is letting Christ be there for you in every little moment like that. Really trusting him throughout your day, throughout your life, not just on church on Sunday, all right? trusting him in the fact that you want to lie really bad, but you're not going to because you're going to ask him to be your savior and not this little lie. Okay. Be a truth teller and, and pinky swear. Okay. Anyways, moving on your thumb. This is the most important one is, uh, who you are, right? It, it goes to your thumb, right? The, the thing that separates you from most of the animal, uh, animals in the world is your thumb. Okay. Without your thumb, your your hand doesn't really work. It's probably the most important thing that uh, that you got right on your hand is your thumb. Without your thumb, your life is a mess. You know, losing a thumb would be horrible. One of the things we do is, is thumbs up, right? It's a kind of thing of encouragement. Thumbs up or yes or you know, this is joy. You know, you get a thumbs up from somebody. That's a good thing. All right, and, and courage. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm going to touch on courage because you can't. You know, you need courage. You need to push through. And, and really, what this stuff is is courage. I mean, a lot. You know, a lot. A lot of you know a lot of stuff. I mean, there's pastors who listen. You're addicted to sex. You know your Bible. You know theology. And, and but you're not doing it right. I, I'm trying to get you, give you the courage to do the things you already know what to do. To be obedient to Christ in your thoughts, to, to be obedient to Christ in your marriage, to be obedient to Christ in your community with the people that you're supposed to be leading. You need courage. You need to be encouraged. You need to be given a boost of courage. And the most important thing of all is to pray. Man, if you're not praying, I pray that you're pressing into God pressing into God with all the hurt, with all the pain, and you're asking him and you're being like David, right? You're pressing into him with your with your hurts, with your pain, with your joy, right? You're in relationship with him. You know, the pastor Mark at my church, he's a, you know, he says, "Hey, God is your dad, right? He's your father in heaven, and you can speak to him like your dad. Sometimes he's going to say no because he loves you." Right? We don't always understand it, but praying is, is is asking Dad for help, and he loves you, and he's a loving Father, and he doesn't want to see you hurting and in pain. It's realizing that some of the, the pain is discipline, and, and some of the fact of discipline is is because he loves you, not not because he doesn't love you, right? If you're being disciplined, it's because your Father loves you, not because he doesn't. You're who you are, right? It, it, it all goes to, to your hope, what you're placing your hope in right now. You wake up in the morning and you put your hope in something, and that's truth. And here is the roots of worship down in the, in the soil deep under the ground in the roots. I pray that this takes root in your heart and it won't be pulled up by the winds of, of this life that's trying to crush you, blow you away. I want it to deepen you. I want you to understand this stuff. The roots of worship is hope. Who I am and what I have become are rooted in where I have placed my hope. Where I place my hope today is what my future is going to look like. That's the truth. That is worship. God wants us to place his hope in him. He so wants us to have a relationship with him. He's so after us, right? He so loves us. And it's pressing into him and understanding that. Psalm 27, this is a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? All right, this is David crying out. I love this. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I I challenge you to read. That's homework for you. Read Psalm 27, right? Do not hide your face from me. Psalm 27, 9. If you start in 8. Even better. I, my heart says to you, Seek his face, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide from me, your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not reject me or forsake me. Oh, Lord God, my Savior. That's David, man, and he's getting into it, and he's pressing into God. He doesn't just, oh, that sucks, you know. Figures. Another horrible thing happened. It's pressing into God. It's passion. That's where your passion flows from. Have some passion in your life, right? Have some passion. Don't just, you know, something other breaks down or something happens to you like figures. Where's your passion? Press into God. God will ignite your passion in your heart as you worship him, as you put your hope in him, as you press into him. He will ignite your passion and give you new rhythm And you love him and your life is about worship of him and your desire, the roots of who you are, being placed in God. Just him and him alone. Not in what he can get you, not that he's a bondservant waiting to bring you what you want, but that he's him. You get God. You get God. So cry out to God. Remember, life is, really is, 20% the stuff that's happened to you and 80% what you do about it. Who do you worship? Who do you love? What are you putting your hope in? I'm going to close the show. I'm going to ask for your prayers. I will be back. Not sure when, but I will be back. Again, Teens Against Porn, higher com. I encourage you to go to those places and... Uh, and talk to those guys and get it get this out of you talk about it man it's important I'm not going to be answering email for a while I encourage you to uh, talk to a pastor talk to a priest be discerning don't just talk to anybody um, check out get, do some research find out who you can talk to don't keep this inside you alright um, if you want to send a donation to the show just keeping it alive Uh you can. You just go to asi two four seven dot org. If you feel led to give, give. You know, that's another thing I said on the last show. I was kind of embarrassed about. I'm not encouraging you not to give to your local church, right? You know, if your church has a building project, I said. You know, I'm trying to. Anyways, you know, listen. If your pastor, I I I just want you to be discerning with that stuff. Like, if your church is building a coffee shop in the church and they need money for that, all right. I think that's just stupid. Why? Why does a co- why does a church need a coffee shop? Right? There's a coffee shop down the street with lost people that need Jesus, right? But we're going to build a coffee shop in the church and and bolster the Christian ghetto. I, I just don't get it. Okay, you know your your church. Listen, if your pastor is doing you know four or five services to try and fit everybody into the same building, he probably needs a bigger building. And yeah, you should give him money for that. You know. If the church isn't growing, it's dying. And there's some churches that aren't growing, but they just want more money to buy a freaking plasma TV or something stupid like that. And and I and I just I'm sorry. I think that's stupid. It, it you know, your money shows where your heart is. And there's just a lot of churches out there that just they just need to go away. Right? They don't, they're not worshipping Christ. They're worshipping themselves. And I know that's critical and that might be mean and hurt some of you and I'm not I I'm just you know man, I want the church is is, is, is holiness, it's 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 Christ died for the church and we play these stupid surfacey games. You know, the Christian evangelicalism is just corrupt most of it. I also wanted to give you a resource on the website, ASI two four seven dot org. Um you go to the links page and Mark Driscoll has written a book called Porn Again Christian. It is a free ebook, and you can get it off the website asi247.org. That is my gift to you, and a gift to you by Mars Hill Church in Seattle. There's also a link to Mars Hill Church there, or you can download the, the series uh, Songs of Solomon. You can actually watch the video, too, if you want. So, with a heavy heart, I want to remind you don't you ever quit on this thing, alright? I don't know where you're at. You know, like, give you the, the the thing about your hand which is behavior replacement stuff i know but it's it's something that you can do right russ how do i stop that's that's an exercise you can do all right but really pray press into him remember this is more about redemption than it is recovery so don't you ever ever quit all right don't you ever quit press into jesus press into god build a relationship don't you ever quit and don't you ever quit. Never, ever quit. So with a heavy heart, till next time, bye. To spend one day with you is a thousand times better than I ever knew life could be. Because when I'm with you, all I see is good in me. Love is true. It's as if I were to say, I think the sky's blue inside me. You're blue, as blue as blue could ever be. And you take me, there won't you take me, there will you take me, there won't you take me. There? I wanna go front of me cause when I'm with you remember go to asi247.org and you can click on the music tab to download the music that you've heard on the show today